0: This Q series, for what I do, uh, it is just it's beautiful, incredibly sturdy, you know, well-made, um, but it works just lightning fast, and you just get the feeling nothing's going to slow it down. Welcome to
1: the Think It, Make It podcast with your host, Eric Royer, all about turning your ideas into reality with a CNC router, tips and tricks, new products, interviews, and much, much more. This just got exciting. Whether you're using a CNC for business or hobby, we have great stuff in store for you. All right, everybody. Today, I'm here with John DiGirolamo. Uh, he's a customer of ours uh, for, God, a couple years now, right?
0: Probably. Yeah, yeah. Since uh, 2017.
1: Yeah. Well, thank you so much, John, for taking time out of your day to, to join me and record this podcast here. Looking forward to it.
0: My pleasure. My ple- Pleasure. No problem. So you're, you're located where? Out in Arizona? Yeah, I'm in Scottsdale, Arizona. Okay. Uh, but I travel a fair amount for work, but that's where my uh, shop is and where I do my work. Okay. So what do you do for a living? Well, I'm actually a creative director for a large adhesives company. And uh, my focus for them is to create uh, fun ways to sell and try adhesives. You know, it's kind of a pretty boring chemistry kind of thing. Yeah. So I try to bring a little life into it and make it fun and make it easy to understand for people. Oh, that's cool. So you uh, you travel a lot? I do. I meet with customers a lot, and I'm constantly presenting to them. Um, and actually, when I'm home is my favorite time because that's when I'm actually creating some of the props and ideas and bringing them to life. Mm-hmm. So when you got
1: your CNC, you're, you you had this is your you have a Q two oh four now, a new Q series two oh four.
0: But that's your second machine, correct? Right. I started with a D series, the D A forty. Okay. And uh, got all kinds of fun attachments because I'd never used a CNC before and I wasn't sure where it was gonna go, but I'm kind of a hands-on creative guy, woodworker, metalworker. so I thought, you know, let's let's get a bunch of tools. So I got the foam cutter. I got the drag knife, I got the 3D printer head, just a lot of different uh, attachments to work with and slowly but surely I, I sort of experimented with most of them, you know, and found good uses for them.
1: So what what was the reason that you decided to buy a CNC in the first place?
0: Yeah, well, you know, I, I try to stay current with technology, both on the computer and with my tools, and I just saw it as a huge opportunity. and. Uh, you know, I spent years making, trying to make templates to make nice circles and to do things manually. And I just thought, wow, you know, this machine would resolve all of that for me. Um, although I'd never used one and there was a pretty good learning curve, once I got in the groove, I, I just reach for it before I reach for any other tool now. Yeah, that's awesome. I'm glad to yeah. hear it. And I mean, I have a big top uh, shop full of tools. You know, I, I mean, I've got just about everything in there. Um, so this is my go-to tool now. So
1: would you say most of your usage of the of the CNC is for uh, business or, or
0: personal stuff? I would say uh, right now it's 50-50 mm-hmm. uh, because I continue to expand my knowledge base on the machine by trying different things. Um, so even if it's something like making a sign for a neighbor or for someone in the family, you know, it increases my skill set for what I can do quickly for work. Okay. Um, so it's it's a blend for me, but there's probably not a week that though, is that I'm not using it for something. So what type of things do you use it for, for your, for your work? Let's talk about that side for a little bit. Yeah. So it's kind of interesting. So think of props, think of things like that for a trade show or to present to a client. So I might make, I do a lot of acrylic work. I do a lot of uh, uh, logos onto acrylic. Uh, I have made acrylic assemblies that can be put together to demonstrate, for example, our foam products where you can actually squirt foam into this assembly and watch it expand and actually push a member inside of the clear box. Um, a lot of tabletop pieces and demonstration pieces that I'll, I'll cut out. A lot of times it's just a profile cut um, to make something that I can show or that I can bond. Mm-hmm. So it's it's super handy for that. So do you have some pictures you can maybe send me
1: afterwards so I can put it on our show notes page so people who are listening can see? Some examples of what
0: you do? Yeah, definitely. Okay. A lot of times too, it may just be a part for an assembly. Um, I've done some aluminum things where we make a, a press, a hydraulic press, to mm-hmm. take pieces to failure, and I can't get a part for it, so I'll I'll machine a part for it. Yeah, that's one of the nice things I,
1: I like about having a CNC is you never know when you're going to need uh, something and. Uh, I remember one uh, a while ago. I, I had an old uh, washing machine in an apartment I was renting, and there was a, a part on the top that you use to hold the agitator down. And the, the washing machine was so old, I couldn't get this part anywhere. And so I sat down with at the time I was using SketchUp, and I, I drew it and was able to machine it out of a piece of plastic and put a threaded insert in it. And I had a working washing machine
0: for two years till I moved. So it's kind of yeah. neat. Yeah, it's a powerful feeling, really, that you could pretty much, anything you can come up with, you could make, mm-hmm. and uh, I don't know, I find it pretty empowering, actually, and uh, Yeah, it really you know, opens up your mind. Yeah, yeah, and I have the sort of, I, I, you know, use Photoshop and Illustrator and all those typical graphic design tools, but I also use SketchUp, and, uh, you know, the combination is just, you feel like you could do anything.
1: yeah. When you use it for personal use, what type of things do you do?
0: Yeah, most of the time I'm going through tutorials and trying to expand my knowledge. And I'd mentioned some signs. So I've made some signs for family, um, done some engraving for friends and family. Um, it's mostly that type of a
1: thing. So mostly wood you're working with or kind of a broader – well, you sign – plastic for so – Yeah, a lot, of, a lot of plastic and, and wood. Yeah. yeah. Wood now – what are you using for software, for CAD-CAM? Uh, UC CNC. Okay, so that's what runs the machine. What are you designing your G-code in?
0: Yeah, so that would come out of a, a vcarve desktop. Oh, okay. So you're using a v-carve desktop. Uh, yeah.
1: What do you think of that software? I mean, what's the learning curve been like for you?
0: Not bad, although I would say that because I can create vector files in Illustrator, it's kind of my go-to is Illustrator just because I'm kind of used to it. Mm-hmm. But what I found is uh, as I spend more time learning and going through tutorials and get more comfortable with vCarve is it's more accurate. Um, it's just that I, I'm not as comfortable with that software yet. Yep. Um. But I, I feel some of what it does is, is much better than Illustrator, much more accurate than Illustrator.
1: So when you design something in Illustrator, what do you do? Bring it in as a DXF into Vectric?
0: Yeah, or I could just uh, import it as
1: an EPS file. Okay, so you do it as EPS. Do you find that when yeah. you do that, you get a lot of open vectors in Vectric? I do get
0: some. Yeah, yeah. so you have to I,
1: group them and close them up.
0: Yeah, and so as I'm getting better at uh, vCarve, I'm finding that I just go there to design.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, One of the things I just did really recently is I created a dust hood for uh, my new Q system. And I'm pretty proud of it. I'll have to send you some pictures of it. Yeah, please. But I I did it in a combination of of Illustrator and Vectric. And it's exactly like you said. I had so many open paths and things that uh, uh, it just wasn't worth it. So I ended up redoing it in Vectric.
1: Yeah, I I tend to, I used to do that too. I used to design in other programs and I've uh, now I, I try to always find a way to do it in Vectric or I use Fusion 360 depending upon what how complicated the part is. Yeah. Uh, actually that's what I was doing prior to to calling you. I'm I'm trying to uh, design something here. We have a a lathe in our shop that has a quick change um, tool holders on it and and they're 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 always laying all over the bench and I want to make something that they can slide on the wall uh, Yeah, so I'm, I'm trying to figure out how to do it because it's got to have a dovetail cut in it So hopefully by the time this episode airs Maybe that project will be done and i'll post a link to it so that people can, can see but it's it's one of those things You know, you, you just never know. I look around my house every day and I find things that um you know, I'm not going to go buy a picture frame when I can make one. It doesn't, yeah. it doesn't make any sense. You know, uh, yeah. my wife and I are starting a project now where we have our family room in our basement, uh, that has been, uh, just painted and we have nothing on the walls. And so she's like, well, I got to go to Marshall's or one of these stores to go find picture frames. No, I said, "We're I think what we're going to do is we're just going to blog about decorating this lower level of my house, just with things that we, we design and make on the machine. Uh, I think that'd be kind of cool just to give some people an idea. It's certainly going to save me some money.
0: <laughs> yeah. Uh, the honeydew list will get longer, but, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I, love just experimenting with it and, and learning and growing and, you know, expanding, uh, what I can and can't do. I just don't feel like there's a limit. I know I had uh, recently a neighbor came over and he, uh, repairs some furniture for people and he had a a carved drawer face. And I wish I'd taken some pictures of it, but I don't have any. But he needed to make another one exactly like it. So I went through the process of of mapping it and then letting the machine recarve carve it. And it was a great experience, and it came out really good. Now, how did you map it? How, what was the process you used for that? Uh, I used the touch probe. The touch probe. Um, okay. I guess it's called. Yep. Yeah, yeah, and I went through and I, you know, sort of learned through that process. I had to do it a couple times to get it fine enough so the quality was where I wanted it, and uh, it was an interesting process. But uh, it worked out really well for me.
1: That's cool. Yeah, I, I've that's a product I, I don't use as much as I I'd like to. Uh, so you you when you uh, you did you actually use the UCCNC uh, plugin to probe it off, or did you do it manually?
0: I did it with the plugin. Oh yeah. And and how was the end result? Was it good? Yeah, it was surprisingly good. And um, you know, I think I would do it again. Uh, you know, I've learned some things. It was a you know it took some time um, to get the detail I wanted. I think it ran overnight to actually map it all out. Yeah. Um, so it was a little more time consuming than some of the other things I've done on the machine. I was just going to say, too, I think that's one of my biggest surprises is actually how fast the machine is, yeah. uh, especially with my new machine now. It just blows through everything. Yeah. So fast. The 204 is definitely
1: a, 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 at least three times faster than the D-series. Uh, yeah. yeah. Now, when you uh, did the 3D point scan with the touch probe, so you ended up with a point cloud. You had to convert that to uh, SDL? Yes. And uh, how yes. did that you use MeshCam? I did. Yeah.
0: Yeah, and that all went really good, really smooth. You know, just kind of followed the uh, tutorials and the information that was available, and uh, went super smooth. And then the cutting started. You know, and it, they did a rough, uh, rough cut first, and then I went back and did the finer cut. What did you use for
1: spacing between your
0: points for the resolution? Do you remember? Boy, I can't remember at this point. But that's where I did experiment and went back and found it was a little too rough the first time. Yeah. So went back and tightened it up. And, you know, unfortunately, tightening up increases the time. Yeah. But uh, I got the quality that I wanted out of it. Do Do you by any chance have any photos of that project? I don't, no, unfortunately. I should have taken some. Uh, I, I might have a quick little 10-second video clip of of probing it off or something. I'll, I'll take a look and send you a, a little package afterwards. Yeah, no, that'd be great. Uh,
1: I'm sure everybody listening to this would appreciate that, too. I, I've noticed a lot of people that listen to the podcast do go back and look at the show notes because if you're in your car you can't see the things we're talking about so that's that's the only downside with a podcast for cnc is uh it's a it's a very visual industry so uh i try to put as much as i can online for people to reference but uh yeah so the probe so do you use that a lot like for other things besides 3d probing do you use it for like uh, probing centers of holes or try to locate a part or anything like that
0: I have played around with actually doing that, with trying to locate a part with center of a hole. But I wouldn't say it's a frequently used item, Mm -hmm. um, but I'm glad I have it. And a lot of times I think it's building this database of knowledge of what the capabilities of the machine are so that when you get in that situation, you prefer that tool and, you know, you're not fumbling around. So I guess over the last two years, I've came from absolutely zero CNC experience, you know, no software experience with it. And uh, especially all the attachments and equipment, there's a little learning curve. So I feel now I'm kind of ready to run, you know, yeah. where I feel like I have a pretty good base knowledge.
1: Yeah, no, that's great. It's, it's interesting. I'm glad to say that you're using the Touch Probe, though. That that's uh, We sell a lot of them. A lot of customers use them. Uh, it's, it, it, But I think it's one of those things that some people don't necessarily take the time to learn how to use it because it is a very effective tool once you have it. Uh, like on our Q machine in our demo room, we have a tool changer on there. So I have the uh, 3d touch probe in a tool holder that's on the wall. So anytime I want to set up a job, I could just pop it in by pushing a button. I don't have to use a collet and, and, and tighten it in. So it makes it a little bit quicker. Uh, but you know, I had a, uh, customer that uh, does, uh, speaker rings for, um, uh, the car audio. And, you know, he had a case where he's got a, a factory ring that's made for the speaker, but he had to relocate the the holes in it because to fit in the car door. So by probing off the center of the circle, he was able to design the project based on that center circle location and then put the new holes in it. And it came out perfect. So there's so many applications for that tool. It's It's actually one of my favorite tools in terms of what it can allow you to do with the machine that you couldn't normally
0: do. Right. Yeah. That's a perfect application. You know, you had mentioned the collet too. I, I will say with my new machine, which I'm running the Porter cable three and a quarter horsepower router okay. in it, which is amazing. Uh, the power and everything. Uh, the downside to that is two things, you know, that the two wrenches and the changing the bits was problematic. So my first upgrade was to a uh, a new quick-change collet. Okay. And boy, is it wonderful. It's really, it's an Allen wrench, you know, and it's just basically a quarter turn to crack it free. The bit falls out, put your new bit in, quarter turn, locks it in. Um, so it's a one-handed operation, and um, I went with a high-quality one. Um, I, I'll mention the brand name. You can take it out if you want or whatever. No, but please do.
1: Oh. I was just going to ask you who makes it.
0: Yeah, it's called Muscle Chuck. Muscle Chuck. I've seen that before, yeah. And I'm super impressed with the quality of his machining. He looks like he's a retired machinist or something, kind of making these things, uh, apparently. But he's got a lot of videos and stuff. But, boy, super quick, speedy change. I'd recommend it for anybody. And then the other thing was the upgrade was the dust collection. Because the router vents all its air out the bottom. Right. Makes a mess. It's very difficult to collect. And it makes a huge mess. Yeah. So um, I came up with this uh, based on some things I'd saw online, but a way to draw it in right by the collet and the bit, but keep the vents still open. Okay. And um, it works well. Yeah, it's working really good. And I can control uh, the bit depth. I have a couple different ones that I can on or snap off. But then I also, sometimes I'll take a little piece of acetate and just wrap it around there to uh, give me unobstructed view, but also increase the length of the draw if I'm using a longer bit. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'll I'll send you a couple pictures of that, too. Yeah, that'd be great. Yeah, the um,
1: the porter cables, it's a good choice. on uh, We use it on the Q-series machines because it, you obviously have to have a spindle, and to use like a D series spindle on the Q doesn't let you take full capability of the Q's uh, speed and, and and rigidity. So, uh, being that it's a three and a quarter horsepower router, you you have a lot of power on it. Uh, but yeah, a lot of a lot of people will complain that um, you know I, we don't offer a dust collector yet for that particular thing. We do for the other spindles. Uh, so, I've got a lot of people that are making DIY stuff, which is interesting. But for the price, it's a good way to get the full power capability you can out of that machine. And uh, some people, I guess the next step up, you know, wouldn't necessarily be a, a standard uh, 2.2 kilowatt spindle. It would probably be for most people a tool changer because if you're, there's no point in going from, it's a lateral move in power going from the router to the spindle. So if you're the next logical move would be to something that's a tool changer, but if you're uh, using the muscle chuck, that that takes a lot out. Unless you're doing jobs that have 30, 40 tool changes on it, that's probably right. an awesome attachment.
0: Yeah, yeah, and you know I haven't graduated to uh, being brave enough to run a job like overnight or something where it's changing tools and uh, doing the whole thing. I had a tool changer on my uh, D series. Mm-hmm. Um, and I never really graduated to being brave enough to to set up that job. <laughs> I tend to, you know, do it as individual files and just address the steps, you know, under that way. Yeah. If you go into groups on Facebook and stuff, that's a
1: pretty common topic is uh, do people run their machines overnight? And uh, I did it once and, and I was uh, and only once and I will never do it again because it ended up having a a bit break in the machine and uh you know it was fortunately no no damage nothing happened but it just kind of woke me up to the fact that you know i I always tell people when they ask me i I don't i'll run it in the room even if i'm not standing near it but i won't leave uh, yeah because you never know what's going to happen and there's videos online too that's interesting like uh uh, people are holding jobs down with double sided tape or a clamp breaks loose and then the bit starts rubbing and then it catches on fire. And that's like my biggest fear. So,
0: yeah. No, I'm with you too. And you, I run it while I'm in the room in the background or I might leave it for a short period of time. But I find you get used to the noises when it's working well yeah. and you get. Used to the noises when something very bad is about to happen. <laughs> yeah, because
1: yeah. <laughs> yeah, you'll hear the noise before you'll smell anything. Yeah unfortunately. Um, okay. Yeah, that's that's very true. So what do you think of the uh what is your overall
0: impression with the Q machine? Oh man, so first of all, this is not a paid testimonial, but I am so blown away with it. You know, it's uh just night and day difference from the the other one and i don't regret the d-series it was a great tool for me to learn with but i i I realize now that it was just kind of underpowered for what my thought is how i would use it Mm -hmm. um so for a light user smaller projects what a tool you know it's great but this q series for what i do uh it is just it's beautiful incredibly sturdy you know well made um, but it works just lightning fast and you just get the feeling nothing's going to slow it down. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, it's just for me, enlightenment, it's been, I've only had it for a few months and it's just amazing. I'm glad to hear that. I'm
1: glad you're happy with it. You know, we're, we're really excited about the Q machines and, uh, I run ours every day. I try to run some project on it and, uh, I'm, I'm always pushing it harder and harder and harder just to yeah. see, and I haven't been able to get it you know, my bit is usually the limitation, how fast I can run because of the tool. Uh, right. So, yeah. It's yeah. A good, solid machine. Have you used any of the attachments that you had for the D on the Q yet?
0: Yes, a little bit. And uh, there's an adapter um, that I got from you that is wonderful where I don't have to take out my spindle. Right. Um, you know, that's nice that I can adapt down and use the drag knife, for example. I actually have uh, cut a fair amount of vinyl lettering and stuff out of it Mm -hmm. for work um and uh you know i like to have that option to be able to not take that whole spindle out so that's worked out quite well for me so when you use the drag
1: knife what do you do put something flat down over the t-tracks on the table
0: exactly i have like a cutting mat i'll put down and then one of those sticky uh sticky sheets which is i find to be plenty to hold the vinyl in place yeah have you seen the video we did
1: with the new tangential knife yet? That's a kind of that's a really cool attachment. No. So,
0: no, I have to check that out. Is that uh, like the Donic
1: knife? No, th- so there is the Donic. So we have um we have three different drag three different knives now. So the one you have is the Stepcraft drag knife which has the little rolling blade that runs on a yep. bearing. Then there's the Donic drag knife, which uses a like a, a utility knife blade, so it lets you cut material that's a little bit thicker than what our drag knife can do. I was do. looking at
0: that one, yeah.
1: And uh, that works great on the Q machine because you really need a rigid uh, gantry assembly to to have the to handle muscling through some thicker material. So it does work really well. Uh, unfortunately, the, the only downside that I know of that is you have to use a drag knife toolpath, which is only available in V pro. So if you have a desktop version, you can't cause what it does is because the blade is angled, you have to actually program in, um, these special pivots in the corners to turn it. And so it's, if you look at your tool path after you're done with the drag knife tool path, you got these little arcs that are, uh, that are coded in on every corner.
0: Uh, I see almost like, uh, the, tool lifting in the corner when you're v carving a sign kind of
1: exactly yeah so what happens is it the 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 center tip of the blade on the donic is slightly offset from center and um so when you you have a corner pivot it lifts the z-axis but it leaves the tip of the blade still in the material and then when it does a pivot uh, it causes the entire blade to swing in that direction. So if you actually you. if you watch the videos on that, it's it, you would think that the steering of the blade is actually stepper controlled because that's how it looks. Uh but it's not. It's it's just using these these tool paths. So um you know, for those people that have V-Car Pro, it's it's a great uh attachment for stuff. Um the the tangential knife, now that we just released that. So basically what that is is that uses a um, it's an oscillating blade. So it goes up and down a lot like a jigsaw and the, uh, blade itself is steered by a stepper motor. So what, what it'll do is when, if you were to put foam or gasket material or foam board or, you know, pretty much the, the, any kind of softer material in there, um, it, it'll follow the vector. So you'll create your tool path and you'll just say cut on the line and it'll, it'll follow the vector all the way around as it as it cuts it we just put a video out yesterday I'll put a link to it in the show notes um, it's it's really really a cool device there's a lot it opens up like for instance if you wanted to do leather leather is a very yeah. difficult material to cut our drag knife won't do it because the blade's not tall enough the will do it but you have to have a, uh, a a good vacuum table to suck the material down because leather will has a ripple effect in it um, the tangential knife, uh because it's oscillating, it's 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 essentially sawing its way through the leather as it's cutting. And you know, even if the material is not perfectly flat on the table, it still does a great job at it. It's it's a really cool, you know, product. Um, not that I'm trying to pitch it in this podcast, but when you're talking about drag knives, it is nice to have a new option now uh because there was always a limitation between ours and the Donic of what it could and couldn't do. And now, with the additional uh, adding of the tangential knife, there's pretty much nothing
0: we can't cut on the machine. And then yeah, I'd be very interested in that. So I'll look that up um, because even just cutting foam board or something like that, you know, it's kind of a weak spot um, for me right now. Yeah. Yeah. Foam board.
1: I, I come from the model airplane industry. So we, we used to make a lot of um, model planes out of uh, like foam board you can get from Dollar Tree. And yeah. it's, you can't really cut it with an end mill because it heats up and it tears and uh the donic blade will do it but yeah again you have to do these tool paths and uh, this the new tangential knife though it's it's super easy to cut stuff out you know so if you're doing sign work where you're gonna print a graphic and lay it on foam board you could put that on the 204 set your X Y zero, and then use the tangential knife to to cut out the profile around the graphics you printed so there's there's so many uses for it, um, and I guess that's one of the things that that's good with what where the direction we've taken is that the multifunction aspect of it, and it was important for us to carry that over from the D into the Q because you have a larger work area now, but the applications like vinyl and signs is still exist. So that, that attachment bracket that you have on your machine was really helpful to make sure nobody was stuck without being able to use their D attachments.
0: Yeah, and I think that is definitely um, played a huge part in me selecting Stepcraft was the versatility because I do such a, you know, grab bag of different projects. And I'm always trying to think up something new, the ability to use those attachments, whether it's the hot wire cutter or the drag knife, um, you know, that's huge.
1: Yeah. Well, I'm glad. I'm glad you're happy with everything. That's that's awesome. Um, now, do you do anything on the side for a business? Like, do you make anything that you try to sell, or it's just mostly for work and or personal use?
0: Yeah, at this point, it's just work and personal. And uh, you know, um, having been a furniture maker, you know, I I did a lot of marquetry. If you don't know what that is, but yeah. it's just basically cutting pictures in wood. Yeah. And I did it old school, you know, like, like they used to do. And uh, one at a time, sawing one piece into the other piece at a bevel so that they snug up and beautiful stuff, you know, you know, sort of traditional big bouquets of flowers and stuff, but huge time consuming. And, uh, you know, as soon as I got my CNC machine, I'm just like, oh my gosh, you know, I could save so much time doing it on, on this machine. Right. So, one day, I think I'll probably go back and uh, start building some tables and things again, and using the stepcraft yeah. to uh, cut some marquetry. Are you familiar with Amazon Canvas
1: software? Have you ever heard no, of that? Okay, never heard of uh-huh. that? Write it down. Yeah, I mentioned that in a previous episode too. Um, because what they do is they have software that. Um, basically the same thing for people that do marketry work. Um, they, you can scan in the different, like if you're doing laminates, you can scan in the, uh, the, the, uh, it's not what the the laminate sheets that you have and arrange them on your screen to get the pattern right. So that you're getting the final outcome. So if you had five or six different, um, different pieces of wood, and then it creates the G-code so that you put the the uh, material in the machine the same way you drew it. And then when you cut it out, all the patterns match up to what they were on the screen. So yeah. They use yes. um, veneer. They do a lot with veneers, a real thing. Is it all
0: stacked up?
1: No, it's it's more like Individual. for inlay veneer work. So if you were yeah. going to pocket something, you would, you would pocket, and then you would put the inlay from the veneer in there so you can – Kind of, it's like making a big puzzle, but you do it digitally on the screen. And then when you put the material on the machine, it, it cuts it out. Uh, it's it's really cool what you could do with it. Some of the some of the results they've had is amazing. Uh,
0: yeah. I guess so. what I was saying is that we do a thing called packet cutting, where we'll take 10 layers of veneer and okay. stack them and put them at different angles so that the grain is doing what you want. Like, for example, if it's a flower, so all the grain is going outward from the flower. Oh, okay. To to effect. And then you cut through that whole packet. Okay. So it sounds like that technique, except maybe you're cutting the individual pieces. Correct. Right. Okay.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. Check it out. Let me know if if that's something you know, because since you've done that before, there's not a lot of people have done that type of work. A lot of people don't even know what it is. So yeah, um, yeah. I'd be curious if the if you thought the software would be helpful for that. Um, Vincent mm-hmm. Doan is the owner of the company, and uh, I've he's uh, had one of our machines for a long time, and. I've been following the progress of everything he's doing, and it's it's really cool. Uh, you know, it, it, it that's the thing with the CNC machines. Any CNC machine is it's the software that really can expand the capability of what you can do with these things.
0: Right. Um, yeah. So. And I. I think that's one area where you know in the future I'm I'm looking to upgrade my VCarve. You know, I think that would be a good move for me to step that up
1: then you can use the entire bed of the machine, yeah. right? You won't have the 25 by 25 limitation. Yeah. Um, so what do you use for tooling? Like, do you have a preferred brand or?
0: Well, I, I do like Amana uh, quite a bit. Mm-hmm. You know, I like their tools. I've always used them for woodworking. Um, so I tend to gravitate to them. Um, also, is it uh, Onstrud? Onstrud, On? yep. Yeah. Onstrud, Yeah. Yeah. Um, those are my two favorites that I, I kind of gravitate. I, I reach to those mm-hmm. any recommendations. No, I mean, we, we do
1: a lot with, um, a here. I've used, um, vortex tooling a little bit, uh, depending on what we're doing. I have, you know, we've used some cheap, uh, Amazon, you know, Chinese bits too, for, I, I tend to use those a lot when I have, if I'm training, a, uh, doing a class and I've got brand new people and, uh, I'll, I'll put those yeah. in cause I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna risk a, a $30 end mill. You know, it's when I could put a $2 end mill in. yeah uh, So I, I tell people oftentimes when you're first learning, you know, check Amazon, there's some good deals out there. You can get a package of 10 for $12 or whatnot. But once you graduate from being comfortable learning, then, then it really does, you know, there was a, Article I saw on the internet this morning where it was uh, is it worth are the are the name brand tools worth the money you have to pay for them and hands down yes absolutely oh yeah uh, you know especially when you have your machine dialed incorrectly with the right feeds and speeds because now you're not burning up the bits you're using them efficiently and they'll last forever but the quality of the cuts are so much better so yeah but i i just i have a hard time recommending to a brand new user oh yeah go out and buy a hundred dollars worth of tools for three and three tools
0: snap it off and then they
1: snap it and it's like i feel awful so <laughs>
0: i know you want to cry yeah oh. yeah
1: i mean i hate it when even now you know a lot of times when you're using it it's you rush and uh you know I, I i won't have a safety height set high enough and when i go from one uh path to the next i end up crashing into the handle on a clamp and snap a bit and it's like oh i can't believe i did that so <laughs> it, yeah. it's i guess no matter how experienced you are you, everybody still makes mistakes it's just it costs a lot of money when
0: you're using a good end mill yeah but they do make a difference and i mean all you have to do is look at them and look at the uh engineering in the facets and how they're designed you know it's just amazing um their cut angles and relief angles that they have in them and uh, unfortunately i went through a couple learning how to mill aluminum and uh was a sad moment or two yeah but uh, i tell you what though if i highly recommend uh, the piece you put together on aluminum i thought it was really in depth and it really uh it works well um
1: oh, good i'm glad that was helpful yeah the uh do you so you're doing uh, plastic cutting are you using the amana o flute uh bits yep. for plastic okay so yeah. they have that mirror finish where they got the ribs on the side of the uh yeah and that keeps the bit cool. And man, it's amazing what what the results those bits produce.
0: Yeah, that's the one I was referring to. I mean, it's a it's a piece of art in itself. Just yeah. how I, you know, it's a beautifully made bit. Yeah. Once you dial the feed and speed,
1: man, it cuts like you might as well be using a laser. It's the same results you yeah. get out of it. It's uh, they're excellent. Um. So on work holding, what do you do typically when you're when you're holding on products? Do you use uh, clamps or tape or mixture?
0: Yeah. So I have. Uh... I guess on the D series I was almost always using tape okay double-sided tape and I get a really nice one that I order online um, and it works really well for me I will say as I stepped up to the queue um, maybe with the added speed and the power I've had a few pieces pop loose mm-hmm. so I'm not I'm not relying on the tape so much I'm, I worry about it a little bit so uh, combination of tape and clamps or screws screws so, yes. I've put a sacrificial board in down on my um, on my bed, and I'll screw into that board to sort of hold my pieces down.
1: Mm-hmm. We, uh, I, I, um, I did a video a while ago explaining that because uh, on the D series machines, I always recommend people put at least a half inch MDF over it to use it as a, a spoil board. Uh, and so I had a couple people I told that, but. What they would do is they would screw the material down. They wouldn't think about where the screws were, and then they would end up being in the tool path, and they would match a bit. So one of the things that in a combination of using double-sided tape is nice is if you draw it in Vetric, you can, you can have a tool path to put your holes in for where your screws are going to go and know for sure that they're not going to be in the way of your tool path. So when I what I'll do is like if we're putting plywood down, I'll, I'll I'll put the plywood down, hold it with two small pieces of tape so it doesn't move. I'll run a, a hole drilling toolpath that'll come over and, and pop the holes in where I need to drive screws in, and then I can screw it down, and then I can run my job because you're designing both the job and the hole toolpath in the same file. Right. And, and then you can run the job, and and you can confidently know you're not going to crash into a steel, you know, screw. Uh so again, it's just one of those things that I think you just you learn, you know, over time or you learn the hard way and then it's like there's gotta be a better way.
0: Yeah. Now that's a smart way to do that. And then uh, of course, you know, the pieces I'm cutting out, if it's profiles and things, I'm I'm just using tabs now where I didn't before. Um, but I'll add some tabs in so that no centerpiece flies out and gets caught in the bit or yeah, anything like exactly. that.
1: Exactly. Yeah. So right now, I mean, you've been using you've been using the CNC now for a couple of years. I mean, do you do you still have challenges like is there, there a big challenge you're dealing with now or something you want to learn right now? That's kind of.
0: Oh, yeah, for sure. I, you know, I can increase my knowledge of the software, both you see uh, CNC as well as uh, Vectric. You know, I just think I, I need to grow with that. Um, but I'm not a code guy. You know, I'm more the other end. I'm more the I could draw it, but mm-hmm. to write code and stuff it's been a little bit challenging. So as I learn more about the G code, um, you know, it's just helpful to go back in and restart a job or know where something went wrong or, um, that, that's my weak spot. That's where I need to grow a little bit. All
1: right. It sounds like I need to go to work and make like
0: a G code for dummies type videos. That would be be so helpful because it's, it's the black hole. It's the great unknown kind of me, you know? Um,
1: it's it's one of those things that you know every customer that, that buys the machine, if the first time they'll ask, do I need to know how to code? Because they're scared of it. And the, the the real answer is absolutely not. You don't ever need to touch G code if yeah. you don't want to. But as you advance, yeah, you know, like in you're saying, you know, you have a job, you have to restart it. It is kind of nice to look at, look at the code and know, okay, this is a a, a rapid Z movement
0: or here's a tool change right. command. Right. And here's where I want to go in and restart this job. You know, something happened, you, you stop a job, and you, you don't want to blow an hour's work. You want to get back in there.
1: Right. Yeah. The basics is, is uh, something it's, it, it doesn't hurt. You know, even if you're not a coder, it doesn't hurt to know some of the basic G-code commands and M commands. Um, So yeah, it's it's something that uh, now, I guess I stayed away from it with the D-Series line because again, it was mostly first time users and you don't want to scare anybody away, but you don't want to add any added complexity to their learning process. But now with the the Q-Series, especially if you're using a tool changer, because there are commands you can put right in the MDI and UCC and see like for instance, if if the tool changer has tool one in it right now and I, I wanted to grab tool three, because i'm I'm only using that i can type in you know in the right in the mdi um you know m6 t3 and it'll put tool one away and automatically grab that so that one line of g code does this cool thing and it's really not that complicated to learn yeah yeah that would be super
0: helpful i think
1: yeah so if you were starting out again like if you you're, you're going back to you know buying your first cnc what's uh What's one thing that you you wish you, you knew then that you now know that would have maybe helped that process along a little bit?
0: yeah i that's a hard one because uh, there, there was a pretty good learning curve there. I, I really did struggle the first you know month or so trying to make things work and just understanding how it all worked. Um, you know, I think I probably could have bought bigger, mm-hmm. Now that I know more of what it's capable of, I probably could have jumped right into something like a Q series and and not had to make that second year switch. Mm-hmm. Uh, although I don't regret it because you know it was a great tool to learn with and probably a lot safer to learn with than this big powerful tool. Mm-hmm. Um, but for me, I, I, for me, if I had to go back, it's just the learning curve was the the struggle for the first month. But once it started to click, it was it was fine. Yeah. So if there's one thing you wish you had right
1: now, though, that would help you, like a, a tool or software or website, anything, I mean, is it, what, what would your like wish be with regards to that?
0: Yeah, I've definitely been looking at that Donic drag knife. So I'm going to take a look at your tangential uh, yeah. knife. I've been very interested in getting one of those for, you know, cutting something thicker than vinyl, but uh, thinner than acrylic or wood. Right. Um, definitely leather, cardboard, foam board, something like that. Where I could do some product packaging mock-ups and things like that and then on the software you know I would love to upgrade my software from uh, desktop to maybe pro yeah uh,
1: that sounds like a good uh that would definitely be a good um thing to do especially with the queue so you could take advantage of all that space yeah. right right um, well I I really appreciate you taking the time to to, to uh to talk to us today um I guess uh, so. If one la- and I guess one last thing, if uh, for somebody that's looking to buy a CNC right now, what what advice might you give uh, somebody um, that's that's thinking about getting into it or maybe afraid to or you know uh, what are your thoughts on that?
0: Yeah, I think hey, don't be afraid. Jump in with both feet. Um, you know, the beauty of these Stepcraft machines is they they really do empower you to make just about anything you want to make the versatility with all the different attachments is just, you know, for somebody like me, it's just, uh, it's, it's empowering. And, you know, I just don't feel any limits. So jump in, there's going to be a little learning curve if you don't know anything about CNC, but you can, you can totally do it. Yeah. That's good advice. Definitely. Well, I appreciate it. Thank you so
1: much for, uh, for spending the time with me today. Um, I, uh, I'll put in the show notes, you know, information if you have anything that you want me to put so if somebody wants to reach out to you if you have a facebook or web page or whatever i can uh, i'll put that in the show notes as well but i really appreciate your time today thank you very much
0: uh, you're welcome eric thank you for uh, all the great product and support <laughs> anytime thank you for listening to the think it make it podcast be sure to tune in next time for more great
1: cnc router content